Hello, this is us speaking to you from the future. We just wanted to pop in and say that this episode was recorded before JK Rowling's recent harmful comments towards the trans community. We believe trans women are women and that any views to the contrary go against the messages of love and equality which are so prevalent in the books. We've linked some resources in the show notes which we found helpful in educating ourselves further about this and which reflect our feelings on the situation. We hope to discuss this in more depth soon, but in the meantime, we're sending love to the trans community and to any fellow Harry Potter fan who was hurt by the comments. Daniel Radcliffe put it well when he said, if you found anything in these stories that resonated with you and helped you at any time in your life, then that is between you and the book that you read, and it is sacred. Hello and welcome to Sisters Who Stan, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the stories and shows that made us and explores the questions they've left us asking. I'm Emma. And I'm Bridie. Buckle in as we prepare to celebrate the weird and wonderful world of fandom. Bridie, would you like to introduce our topic today? Okay, so, I mean, I feel blasphemous even saying it, but today we're exploring the question, was Ron right for Hermione? J.K. Rowling initiated the conversation back in 2014 when she was interviewed by Emma Watson for an issue of Wonderland magazine, and she made the following statement. I wrote the Hermione-Ron relationship as a form of wish fulfilment. That's how it was conceived, really. For reasons that have very little to do with literature and far more to do with me clinging to the plot as I first imagined it, Hermione ended up with Ron. I know, I'm sorry, I can hear the rage and fury it might cause some fans, but if I'm absolutely honest, distance has given me some perspective on that. It was a choice I made for very personal reasons, not for reasons of credibility. Am I breaking people's hearts by saying this? I hope not. (laughs) So Bridie, (laughs) Mm. as a lifelong Ron fan, what was your initial reaction to this statement? Did she break your heart? Well, actually, when I first heard it, I was kind of like, you know, I haven't read the books or watched the films for a little while. So I thought, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe if Hermione was one of my girlfriends, maybe I'd feel like she could do better. And then, you know, when I started looking into it, just even a little bit, I just started to refresh my memory. I was like, fuck no. (laughs) Obviously, I'm just incredibly biased because Ron Weasley was one of my earliest crushes and I just adore that character. Honestly, Mm. revisiting clips from the films and books, I love him. I think he's my first (laughs) love. I know. I think researching this episode has been lots of fun, but it also made me quite emotional watching Mm. the early footage of them, like when they're all really young. Yeah, same. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to feel that way. When I was watching that clip of Daniel Radcliffe interviewing J.K. Rowling, I just had this overwhelming sense of like, you know, they're my old friends. Mm, yeah, like family. Yeah, that interview made me well up quite a few times. Same. I mean, we should probably say as a disclaimer straight off the bat that Harry Potter for us was such a defining, formative part of our childhood and, you know, so meaningful for both of us. Absolutely, yeah. And you read me all the books. I did. Even when the last book came out and I was like 15 and you would have been 18. I know. And I still read it to you. (laughs) What a good sister I am. (laughs) You could have been on MSN or drinking WKD on the mean streets of Brighton. I mean, I did that stuff too. Um, (laughs) I remember when the the last book came out, I went down to queue at Asda for it at midnight. I know. And I didn't have a costume or anything. So I just grabbed a broomstick from the shed. (laughs) Um, I think generally I've probably read them in about two to three days. And um, I kind of sped through them because I was really looking forward to reading them to you. (laughs) I'd also like to just say that I fancied Ron as a character in the book before I fancied Rupert Grint. However, I do still separately fancy Rupert Grint. Really? Still? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Big time. 
when I was watching that interview um, between Harry and JK, then they were talking about what Rupert had done with his money. Oh my God, I didn't get to that bit. So they were saying that he spent his money in the way that you would kind of fantasize how you'd spend your money, you know, if you were a child imagining being rich. Um, So we know he bought an ice cream van, but he also bought like a hoverboard, llamas, peacocks. Oh my God, that's amazing. Well, I mean, look, you know my feelings about Harry. Mm. I think it's interesting because like Harry was my guy and Ron was your guy. Yeah. And part of me always thought, has Bridie just said Ron because I shotgunned Harry? <laughs> like the front seat of the car. Yeah. And I'm, you know, a little possessive. So I was like, he's mine. I'm the older sister. But no, you genuinely were all about Ron. Oh, definitely. I fancied Ron very early. I remember in the first film when he was like 11. And it's fine because, you know, I was only nine or 10. We got the VHS. It was that long mm. ago. And I would rewind and rewatch that scene in the Philosopher's Stone where he sacrifices himself night to H3. He's so <laughs> brave. Bad shirt. Oh. Oh, it's one of my, yeah, he's probably one of my longest standing crushes. Amazing. <laughs> I did fancy him throughout the books as well. I hid the description of him. And in the films, I think right. it's the culmination of Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley. I remember mm-hmm. in part one of the seventh film when they're all using their wands to put up the tent for Bill and Fleur's wedding. And I was just like, oh, he looks good. <laughs> Matured oh like God, a fine I'll... wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to rewatch that scene. When I was 11, I did write to Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. And I, I got a signed photograph in return. Um, although I don't actually think it was signed. It was, it was you know, like printed on there. Oh, yeah. But, that, you know, that, that's fair enough. He's 11. He can't answer all that fan mail. Oh, God, yeah. I have a memory of spraying my letter to him with, like... Pheromones. <laughs> well I'd like to say perfume but you know it's probably like an impulse body spray oh yeah (laughs) like Charlie oh my god yeah Charlie (laughs) I mean what does happen when you're a child and you're receiving that much fan mail it's got to be filtered oh yeah that that has to be filtered that stuff can't go near you I mean I don't know what you wrote I'm sure it was okay but (laughs) I've honestly got no idea what I wrote to him um and I wouldn't want to know I'm very glad it's filtered (laughs) Whilst I was researching this episode, I actually came across a BuzzFeed video of uh, Dear Daniel Radcliffe uh, reading some first tweets. And I just wanted to play you a couple of my favourites. Oh my God, So, yes. yep, here we go. Can I lick Daniel Radcliffe's eyebrows and body assortments? Because she started with the eyebrows, I feel like by the other assortments, she means the rest of my hair, which is great. Thank you. I've always been very, very self-conscious about my, my crazy eyebrows. So it's, it's, it's nice to know that they're, they're going down well out there. Daniel Radcliffe is a small, soft boy who I want to wrap in a blanket and protect. But at the same time, he's got big energy and I want to ride him like a fireball. Thank you. <laughs> To you. I know I like that it ended well, but I'm still not a fan of Small Soft Boy. Uh, Akio Daniel Radcliffe's dick. For those of you who don't know, that is a summoning spell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's so polite. I know, it's so funny, isn't it? You just think he's arguably the biggest child star this country has ever known. And you know, yeah. that could do some serious things to your ego. But oh he seems God. genuinely the most down-to-earth, kind person ever. He does. I, I was listening to his Desert Island Disc interview the other day, and he just came across mm. like such a nice guy, such a babe. I know. So do you think there's clues in the early books that Ron and Hermione's relationship will develop into a romantic one? So for me, there's a few subtle hints, like Ron being jealous of Gildery Lockhart, him defending Hermione mm. from Draco. They also always seem to be together when Harry's away from them. Yeah. I think one of the biggest signs for me was in The Prisoner of Azkaban when Hermione writes a letter to Harry about how her summer holidays have been. All she can talk about is Ron. 
like Ron's letter, his trip to Egypt. And I just thought, oh, I mean, out of all the signs, that for me is pretty telling. Oh, yeah. I mean, but before that, they don't get off to the best start, do they? Ron's pretty mm. mean to Hermione in the beginning. Oh, yeah. I um I read a Bustle article, which we'll pop in the show notes, uh, and it was titled, Ron and Hermione's relationship in Harry Potter wasn't just disappointing, but dangerous. Oof, that's a, uh, that's a jarring title. Yeah, isn't it? So the piece was written by Emma Lord, and in it she says, I worry about our ability to jump on board with the he's mean to you because he likes you trope that is already so damaging to women. Mm, yeah, well, that's very true. She goes on to say, and allowing for this kind of behaviour isn't just harmful for its own sake, but it also acts as a gateway for further abusive behaviour. Mm. I wouldn't call Ron abusive. No, and she acknowledges that he isn't as well. In my experience, when you're 12, boys and girls are a bit mean to each other. Where do you think that comes from? I think it's probably what they're fed about gender norms early on. They can be, you know, sometimes encouraged to dislike each other or expect certain things from each other. Also, when I was younger, it was definitely the case that the boys who got on well with girls were ridiculed by the other boys. And girls were generally just encouraged to seek approval from boys. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I mean, I think my feelings are that obviously... The idea of a boy being mean to you because he likes you, that's not something you want to perpetuate. I I do think when it comes to Ron and Hermione, I don't feel like it was ever vicious. It was quite bickery. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a difference between meanness and, you know, playful teasing. Yeah, there are boundaries. And, you know, Hermione probably is a little bit annoying at the start. (laughs) She's a bit of a, you know, quote unquote, no at all. And she does point out the flaws in others quite a lot. But I think Ron is also quite entitled. Like he's very insecure in a lot of ways, but within the wizarding world, he comes from a magical background and he's had the hustle and bustle of a big family. He feels like he belongs there. Whereas Hermione's not from a wizarding family at all. And she might feel like she needs to prove herself in some way. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's very true. I do agree that Ron could be kinder to her. But when I was 12, I said things to my male friends and they said things to me that were not the kind of things on which, you know, the foundation of a relationship should be born. But kids can be horrible to each other. They're mean. I don't think it's always indicative of the adult that they'll become. Mm, Yeah, that's true. I mean, I definitely agree that the books reflect their ages and, you know, therefore their levels of maturity at the time. I think I have a bit of a personal bugbear with the kids can be mean phrase. I feel it gets my back up a bit whenever I hear it. And, you know, not because it's not true. Kids definitely can be mean to each other. I think it's just so often used to defend bullying, which obviously comes in all forms of severity. Yeah. You know, however, that being said, I don't think Ron's a bully. I think he's just an immature boy. And, you know, their dynamic is completely different to that at the start of the series. I also think that, you know, when you're young and you develop a crush on someone, you probably don't really understand how to process those feelings. And maybe that can therefore result in teasing. Yeah, because you feel vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And it works both ways. Although, I mean, it does feel mean when he says, you know, no wonder she doesn't have any friends. I was like, whoa, is that, is that what he says in the books? I had to kind of double check it. And, um, you know, he does refer to her as a nightmare. Okay, so this was something that came up when I was researching and it was talked about on podcast. Ron is portrayed in the films meaner and not as intelligent as he is in the books. So for example, in the third film, Snape says to Hermione, do you like being an insufferable know-it-all? And in the film, Ron says something like, oh, you know, he's got a point. But in the book, at that moment, he says, you ask the question and she knows the answer. Why ask if you don't want to be told? Wow. (laughs) I mean, that's a huge difference. So now I'm sceptical of how Ron and Hermione's relationship has been changed for the films. It's tricky, isn't it? I'd have to go back and really read each book to refresh my memory properly. But it does feel like the relationship moves at a different pace in the films. Who do you think fancied who first? I'm not sure. 
I think for me, the first three books, it's all really subtle. Mm. It's interesting because obviously from the get-go, JK had them eventually being together in her mind. But it's probably not until the Yule Ball in the Goblet of Fire that things are kind of ramped up a notch. Yeah. I mean, and also jealousy is always helpful, isn't it? In the way that Crumb fancies her. I loved the whole Yule Ball. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hard for me to decide on my favourite film, but I think four has got to be up there. And I think it's partially because of that scene. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh my God, this is a bit of like a prom situation. So exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, who would you have liked to have gone with? Definitely Harry. Mm. But, you know, wouldn't say no to Cedric either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How about you? Well, I'd like to say Ron, but he actually does look awful in those robes. Um, <laughs> plus he'd be pining over Hermione the whole night, which would be really boring. Yeah. So actually maybe like Neville or Seamus, just someone you could have a really fun night with. Yeah, that's a good shout. Or one of the Dumbstrand guys, because they're hot. Mm. Yeah, true. You think you'd wear something like what you wore for prom at school? Oh my God, like, absolutely not. That was awful. <laughs> a horrible black, shiny material. Um, had spaghetti straps. Spaghetti straps are cool now. They're back. Oh my God. I do not know what's cool at the minute. But I mean, <laughs> I loved Hermione's uh, Cinderella moment she had in that dress. Oh, yeah, and she's with a fucking cool Quidditch player who fancies her. Suck on that, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> it's so satisfying. Mm. And then, of course, like Hermione does get to experience the other side of the coin with jealousy when it comes to Ron. He obviously gets with Lavender Brown, which, oh, you know, yeah. is a great little side story. And you know, Jessie Cave is brilliant. Oh, she's so funny. Yeah. I think with Lavender Brown, I was reading one of the reasons they came together so easily is because she so obviously fancied Ron. Mm. So, you know, for him... He has low self-esteem. You know, his best friend's Harry Potter. He's mm. overshadowed by his brothers. But with Lavender, she was like super upfront about her feelings for him. Yeah, both Lavender and Victor are kind of helpful in the way that sometimes you just need to see that person with someone else to realise, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. Although Ron is such a shit at the old ball. I tried going back to the book to see if there was a redeemable moment in that chapter that, you know, might have been missed in the <laughs> film. But there just wasn't one. <laughs> Yeah, he was horrible. He was immature and rude. There are so many moments in Ron's character when he is just like a total dick. Absolutely. You know, Hermione would have been justified in writing him off there and then. Oh my God, yeah. As someone who really loves him and does love his character and, you know, loves Rupert Grint's portrayal of him, I do think there are moments when he's a real arsehole. In the final book, when he's being a dick, I do kind of think though he is in a situation that the others aren't. So Hermione sent mm. her parents off to Australia. Harry doesn't have any immediate family. He's the only one with this huge family who are all known to the Death Eaters and to the Ministry. Some of them are working mm. there. They're all so vulnerable and, you know, they're in proper real danger. Is this you defending why he buggers off in the last <laughs> book? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but also, you know, Dumbledore gives him the Illuminator because he knows he'll bugger off, but he knows he'll come back. I guess I do think that Ron and I would probably not be very good match because I actually think we'd be way too similar I just identify <laughs> with him so much because I think in that moment I'd probably bugger off <laughs> oh well yeah remind me not to call you when the dark lord returns <laughs> but I come back <laughs> coming back is the important part of that point okay <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I think with Ron going away and coming back in the last book it's I didn't actually feel that angry with him it sounds terrible but at this point you almost come to expect it of him in a way yeah and you're yeah. right he does have all those family ties that the other two just don't have mm. 
But my all-time favourite Ron and Hermione moment in the Deathly Hallows mm. is when they're staying in Grimwald Place and Harry wakes up and sees that their hands are next to each other and he wonders whether they went to sleep holding hands. Oh, that's really sweet. I do think that there are lots of little moments like that between them. And when you're watching the films, it can sometimes feel like they spend the majority of their time arguing. But I don't think that's the case in the books. Yeah, they do argue, but I think there's a general sense that the good times outweigh the bad. Yeah, definitely. So the moment that we've been waiting for when they finally get together happens during Mm -hmm. the Battle of Hogwarts. And here's how it's described in the book. Hang on a moment, says Ron sharply. We've forgotten someone. Who? asks Hermione. The house elves, they'll all be down in the kitchen, won't they? You mean we ought to get them fighting? asked Harry. No, said Ron seriously. I mean, we should tell them to get out. We don't want any more Dobbies, do we? We can't order them to die for us. There was a clatter as the basilisk fangs cascaded out of Hermione's arms. Running at Ron, she flung them around his neck and kissed him full on the mouth. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? I mean, teenagers to me, it's like, oh, how did you kiss him? How, you know, what base did you get to? No, kissed him full on the mouth. Fully. Our mouths were fully touching. Full on the mouth. Ron threw away the fangs and broomstick he was holding and responded with such enthusiasm, he lifted Hermione off her feet. Aww. Is this the moment? Asked Harry weakly. No, oh, obviously Harry is there when they have their first kiss and obviously he's being a little bitch about it all. <laughs> Moaning about it. Quite Frodo-ish. Oh yeah, very much. I'm the chosen one. Which he is, to be fair. He's like, you chose now of all times? Yeah, Harry, because they're probably going to die in a second. Feels quite appropriate that Harry's there for the first kiss. I mean, Mm. he's been third wheeling for the last six years after all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's potential thrapple vibes maybe on some level in an alternative universe, maybe. Mm. Yeah, he's been the silent partner in that relationship. Although... He's not actually there when they kiss in the film. Yeah, they really rewrote that whole moment, actually. Mm. Ron doesn't mention the house elves at all. I know. It's another Ron character assassination in the films. (laughs) I think with the films, the house elves weren't quite a bigger part of it as they were in the books. No, that's true. So a lot of people have implied that maybe she should have been with Harry. But I don't Mm. know how I feel about that. Yeah, that doesn't feel right to me. Although in that Wonderland interview, JK did say that it occurred to her they might have been a better fit uh, when she Mm. was writing the tent scenes in the last book. I actually really did love that little dance scene between them that they added to the film. Yeah. She said that you could feel the ghost of what they could have been in that scene. Yeah, definitely. I don't know how they would have balanced each other out though long term. Yeah. I don't know how much laughter there would have been in that relationship. No. (laughs) Very serious. (laughs) I watched a YouTube video about all the people she could have ended up with. Oh yeah? Tell me. It was a bit wild. So, I mean, Draco was very popular, but I think that everyone really likes Emma and Tom. Mm, Yeah. And Emma has admitted to fancying him as well. So, you know, he is a bit of a hottie. Oh yeah. He's super hot. And then Percy was kind of popular. Oh my God, Percy. See, that's Mm. someone who on paper kind of makes sense. They've yeah. got a lot in common, you know, but knowing them as characters, we know that wouldn't work. They drive each other mad. Yeah, they totally would. Another person who was floated was Ginny. Hmm, really? Yeah, but Ginny's one of her closest girlfriends, so I just don't, I don't think that would work. Mm, yeah, and she doesn't, Hermione doesn't actually have a lot of close girlfriends. Like, you know, the idea of her, Ginny and Luna all being good friends is there, but I wouldn't call them you know, a close-knit group. Mm. It kind of made me wonder if Hermione could have potentially been one of those I'm one of the boys, cool girls. Yeah, and also I think that 
you know, what it's like to be a teenager now, I think that female friendships just celebrated more now than it was when I was younger. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Girls make up the majority of my closest friends, but I do know, as you know, that girls can be mean to each other. And, you know, when there's a bit of internalized misogyny or... So when a girl says she doesn't have female friends, I kind of have two alarm bells that go off. And one's what you said. um, But the other is kind of, I think, oh, what did girls do to you that made you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. When girls are being raised to view each other as competition, oh yeah, that can result in all kinds of, you know, unfair behaviour towards each other. Carry on. Who else? So another character who's got links to Hermione was Neville. Yeah, okay, so I could see her with Neville. This is a curveball, but apparently there's a lot of fan fiction about Pansy Parkinson and Hermione. I can't even remember who the hell Pansy Parkinson is. (laughs) I know, like, does she even go here? (laughs) Does she even go here? (laughs) She's that Slytherin. She's a friend of Draco's, and in the film, she's the one who wants them to rat out Harry to Voldemort. She's the one who's like, there he is, take him. She's a bitch. Right, okay. And then the last one, which probably makes the most sense, is Victor Crumb, because he's a stone-cold hottie. But then they haven't gone through the things that Hermione and Ron have gone through together. Mm. Also, he does live in another country, so, you know, long distance. Yeah, that's true. It would be tough. So I think a lot of the criticism I've seen about Ron and Hermione as a pairing is around their personalities. Right, okay. Because they're opposites in a lot of regards. Exactly. But it really made me think, sometimes there's not a huge amount of intellectual sense with the people that you fall in love with. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's not like, oh, I love Quavers and so do you. <laughs> That's, you know, not why you fall in love with someone. You fall in love with someone for such a plethora of reasons, but I think simply that they're not similar enough is a really weak argument because they're similar enough when it comes to big stuff, like, you know, the important things, like their values. Yeah, of course. Like, I don't know, I never thought of it like that. I suppose on all the big things, they are aligned. Exactly. You know, how did they get drawn together otherwise? I think they share the really important stuff and you don't get everything from one person and to perpetuate that idea is really damaging. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. I I don't think that was something until I realised until my 20s. I mm. think before that I was looking for a partner who was going to tick all these boxes and fulfil every part of me. Yeah. But my partner, for example, he's not someone who grew up reading the same books and he wasn't really into Harry Potter and like teen me would be horrified by that. But I think actually, as you get older, you know, you come to know your deep values and beliefs. And as long as you kind of share those, I think it works. Absolutely. I think it's fair for people to have things that are kind of non-negotiable in a partner. But I think that, so I work in theatre and before we went out, my partner didn't go to the theatre that much. Um, But there are loads of people who do go to the theatre and I'm really not interested in dating them. (laughs) So with (laughs) Hermione being incredibly academic, you know, the fact that she went back to school after the Battle of Hogwarts and everything. It doesn't mean that, you know, her and Ron aren't a good team at raising children or living happily together. Mm. Yeah, I think, I suppose, I think the importance of being a good team uh, is something mum and dad always emphasise to us. Mm. Yeah. What would you say your non-negotiable values are then? Mm. Well, socialist values (laughs) or like, you know, communal kindness or sense of community or... And also, you know, a sense of humour, because I feel like I need to be with someone who also feels that life's a bit ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. How about you? Definitely. Yeah. Someone who doesn't take themselves too seriously. Um, Mm. But I think kindness is probably the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, As Dumbledore says, it's a trait people never fail to undervalue. Oh, Dumbledore. (laughs) Wise words from a wise man. (laughs) 
I'm not sure how I feel about JK doing all this kind of looking back and changing things or making claims that there were messages that the readers missed. So with Dumbledore, mm. you know, with him being gay, I think that that was something she should have talked about at the time. Yeah, I think, I suppose, I guess from her point of view, it wasn't relevant to the plot. Yeah, that's what she said. She said it was never relevant to the story to bring it up. But then surely it's kind of relevant to him as a character and particularly the part of his relationship to Grindelwald and everything. I don't know, mm. I think for a young person or, you know, I think for a young gay person, it would have been better to have a bigger hint. Mm. Um, also, there must have been some other gay wizards in the wizarding world. <laughs> Every couple or romantic relationship I can remember from it, they're all, <laughs> they're all hetero, I think. That's the choice. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, representation is so important and there definitely should have been a bigger nod to it, even if it didn't seem relevant to the story. Mm. It should have been acknowledged in the books that Dumbledore was gay, even if it wasn't relevant to the plot. Like, of course it should have. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, and like you say, you have to acknowledge that when you're exploring this kind of thing, like our own personal Mm. relationships to them. I suppose I think my main problem for Ron and Hermione when I envision their future together is that in terms of emotional labour... Like Hermione would have been doing everything and it would have chipped away at her. Yeah, I completely agree. I saw an article from the FT about this, actually. FT is in Financial Times. Yeah. (laughs) Bit off brand for them, isn't it? (laughs) You're not wrong, no. Um, I actually just wanted to read you a couple of segments from it. So the article's called Ron, Hermione and the Midlife Crisis. (laughs) Oh my God, this sounds amazing. So it says... I do worry for Hermione and her looming midlife crisis. We all know that relationships forged in adversity are inherently unstable. Oh my God. Yeah, that's so true. And we've been using the fact that they've survived so much together as a good thing. I know. So it goes on. You can imagine how it goes. Ron takes her for granted. He hogs the TV remote, never unloads the dishwasher and spends too much time in the shed. Their attempt to forge new interests by joining a golf club failed to satisfy her. (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> she and Ron do indeed go for marriage counselling, at which Hermione admits to the contempt she feels at his inability to perform even the most basic spells and that she <laughs> fantasises about a bespeckled wizard in accounts called Barry. <laughs> oh God. Ron admits to checking her mobile and following her when she goes out. They agree to a date night once a week and she takes up wizard's chess. Perhaps she moves on. Perhaps they patch things up after Ron's mum falls and needs a hip operation. This, then, is a story for the Potter generation as it hits midlife. A tale of bitter, disappointed wizards yearning for the thrills of their teens. The terrors oh. remain, but now they are boredom and disease. It is darker, <laughs> sadder, and with far fewer magical beasts. But that's middle age, isn't it? Oh, my God, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a bit dark, but very, yeah. very good. <laughs> what did you feel when you read that, then? I guess show me a marriage that doesn't need counselling at some point. Yeah, I think they would have had to work on it, but I think all long-term couples have to work on it. Apparently every Mm. cell in your body changes every seven years. So I can't say for certain that they would be together when they're 85, but I think from what I know of them, I would say, yeah, they could have a happy long-term relationship. Mm, I think so too. Rupert has said himself that he expects Ron has probably divorced Hermione by now, that he'd be living on his own jobless and in a one-bedroom apartment. (laughs) Oh my God, that's well harsh. I know. Maybe he's downloaded the magical version of Tinder. Hmm. Rupert's going to be a dad. Yeah, I know. What do you think Ron would have been like as a dad? He's a bit stubborn and a bit selfish and proud and all of those things. But I guess I feel like I I can't be too judgmental of those qualities because they are also qualities I have. But I know, I think overall he'd be a really fun dad. The dad jokes would be out of control. He'd be all about (laughs) the dad jokes. Yeah, he would be a nightmare. 
I feel like Hermione would be doing a lot of eye rolls. But on some occasions, there is pride in an eye roll. Like, I think sometimes you're signaling to the world of how well you know that person. You, you know, you're doing a, <laughs> oh, God, I know them so well. This is classic. <laughs> oh, I actually had that the other day. So that kind of classic, I know them so well situation. Yeah. We had our friends round and uh, we were going to play rock, paper, scissors for who was going to go downstairs to get the takeaway when it arrived. <laughs> and um, I said to my friend about my other half, I was like, right, when he comes back in, we play rock, paper, scissors. And I guarantee you he's going to do scissors. <laughs> I'll do stone because that's what happens every time. <laughs> but on this one occasion, he randomly went paper. <laughs> what? I know. <laughs> I know. And I was like, oh my God, I have egg on my face. So I'm getting the feeling that for you... A gentle sense. <laughs> I'm getting a gentle sense that Hermione and Ron should have ended up together. Is that mm. is that our official party line? I mean, I just think they're glorious together. And I know what you're <laughs> saying, JK. She's a strong, smart woman and Ron might need to pull his socks up every now and then. But I do believe mm. Ron comes through when it's really important. And he also brings something to the table that maybe doesn't come as naturally to Hermione. Like the ability to laugh at himself. That's really important. I need to be with someone who can do that. Oh, yeah, that's massive. Because if they can't, we're both in trouble. Also, all we really know of Ron is from the ages of like 11 to 18. I don't know a mm. single person who should be assessed on that period of their life alone because they go through all kinds of changes. I feel like it's impossible to fully judge a potential adult based on those years. I mean, when mm. the Battle of Hogwarts happens, what are they, 17? Yeah, that's true. 17. And then in the 19 years later chapter, they're only 36. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's still so young. I'm actually not a fan of the 19 years later bit. Mm, yeah. <laughs> in the film, it looked like Ron's had a hard life. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, they've all aged pretty terribly in the film. <laughs> yeah. The years have not been kind. No. <laughs> Also, another thing JK said that's been examined before is that there is only about 3,000 witches and wizards in the UK. So, you know, there's also a numbers game happening here. Well, Hermione could have married a muggle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She also could have married no one, which would have been fine. Absolutely. Very valid choice. But for me, Ron's guiding light is being there with them and being part of that journey and risking his life. I think that he's a good person and that she's a good person and that what they've been through together is really unique and... And I think she fancies him because I bloody fancy him. Of course she fancies him. Look at him. Um, and he fancies her, obviously, because she's a babe and incredibly intelligent, you know? Mm, yeah. I think for me, I've, you know, engaged in asking this question, but deep down, I've always known the answer. I don't know. What do you think? Do you agree? Well, whether Ron and Hermione would have been an old couple together, I honestly don't know. Mm. But I do think it was the right way to leave off in the books. And... You know, even if there was a divorce further down the line, I suppose just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it hasn't been successful in some ways. Yeah. I think with nearly all relationships, they add value to your life and you learn something about yourself along the way. There's that phrase mum loves, you know, people come into your life for a season, a reason or a lifetime. So mm. I think ultimately I do believe Ron and Hermione were soulmates, but I also think we get more than one soulmate. Yeah, definitely. So we thought we'd round off today's episode with another game of Shag Marry Cruise, um, mostly because we couldn't segue it into a previous appropriate moment <laughs> during this episode. So no. um, so I have one for you, though mm -hmm. I actually feel like I already know the answers um, okay. or what your answers will be. Maybe it's too easy. But the first mm -hmm. one, Shag Marry Cruise, Harry Ron Draco. Okay. Well, 
Shag Draco. Also, just a caveat that this is obviously when they're all over the age of 18. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes, caveat. This is all above board. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm going to rephrase the question. Shag mm-hmm. Marie Cruz, this is an 18 plus scenario. They're all adults now, okay? In their 20s yeah. or you know, early 30s. Yes. <laughs> same age as us. They've always they, been the same yeah. age as us. So exactly. Yes. In yeah. my head, yeah. So Shag Marie Cruz, Harry Ron uh-huh. Draco. Um... Well, yeah, that is pretty easy for me. I mean, obviously, marry Harry, cruise mm-hmm. with Ron, and Shag Draco. That was easy. <laughs> I knew it would be. I knew what your answers would be. Would those be your answers? Well, obviously, I'd marry Ron, um, mm-hmm. but I'd definitely cruise with Harry. I mean, I'd also love to just cruise with Danny Radcliffe. There is a distinction, but Danny Radcliffe <laughs> would be jokes on a cruise for six months. I could go on a year cruise with Danny Radcliffe, I think. <laughs> so in 2013, I went for an interview at ARG, which are the talent agency that represent him. Danny Radcliffe? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> this wasn't a stalkering situation. Obviously I'm, I'm in my twenties and I was actually working, I was working for a voiceover agency. Um, and then I wanted to kind of move into like working behind the scenes in theatrical agencies. So anyway, I had an interview at ARG um, with the woman who actually is his agent so it, oh I was God. interviewing to be her assistant yeah I know and um I <laughs> and I, I don't remember much of the interview but I do remember her saying something along the lines of you know how would you feel about attending um like premieres and stuff like with and she mentioned his name as well and oh my god to like play it cool and be a professional (laughs) in my mind I was like if you knew the insane kind of letters I was writing when I was 11 (laughs) (laughs) this is like I should be you came so close you came so close I know you came so close I know but no, they actually um, they actually never got back to me. So no. <laughs> I was probably <laughs> not, not playing it as cool as I maybe envisioned. <laughs> yeah, they smelt the, uh, the, they smelt the fandom. Yeah. Perhaps you're on a, a blacklist somewhere. Oh God, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, so back to Shag Mary Cruz. Definitely Cruz with Dan Radcliffe for six months. That would yeah. be great. I'm trying to think of one for you. I kind of want to go for a more difficult um, Yeah, that was too easy, wasn't it? So... Mm, okay, so Jack Marie Cruz. Oh, Voldemort, Wormtail. Oh, Wormtail and Mr. Oh. Dursley. <laughs> no, that is the worst lineup ever. <laughs> oh my God. I hate that. I don't want to do. Can I just throw <laughs> myself off the cruise? <laughs> um, okay. Do you know what? I'm going to marry Voldemort. And I know that sounds what? nasty. Instead of Mr. Dursley. Because. <laughs> that's not you might be able to talk around (laughs) you think you can talk Voldemort around um also he's played by Ray Fiennes and he's so Ray Fiennes is kind of fine yeah Ray Fiennes is real fine so (laughs) I think Um, mm, I know Bridie you there can be no martyr syndrome going on with Voldemort you cannot save him (laughs) okay fine all right fine I would marry Mr Dursley don't get me wrong it might be more thrilling with Voldemort it definitely would be. Uh, Chag Voldemort. Okay. And go on a cruise with Wormtail, which would be the worst cruise ever. <laughs> it would be the worst cruise ever. Ugh. Although he might be, yeah. like, he could be a, my minion and fetch me things mm. and sit outside whilst, you know, <laughs> sit yeah. a few metres away. Mm. Yeah, sure. Silver lining. <laughs> Silver lining. Uh, well, it's been lovely to talk to you today, sis. Yes, you too. I'm um, always happy to talk about Harry Potter. 
I know there's there's many more episodes I'm sure will emerge about Harry Potter and various things that we uh, need to discuss about it. Yeah, pressing questions we have and issues. Mm. So um, if you enjoyed today's episode, please do feel free to come find us on social media. We really love connecting with fellow fans. Um, Our links to our socials will be in the show notes below, as with everything referenced in today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. All right, over and out. Mischief managed. <laughs> <laughs>